What a weekend of Premier League football we have just had. A four-all draw at Stamford Bridge. Spurs losing away at Wolves and Liverpool. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. And there's only three-point difference between the top five teams. And before we get into it, we've just got a quick surprise. Are you ready for this? Ooh. Do you want to go a bit slower? Yeah. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Do you want to go a bit slower? Hey. Oh, guys, guys. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Dave Watson. Happy birthday to you. Oh, thank you, guys. I'm glad there's not 50 candles. I think you're going to blow that out. How long does it go for? Just the whole show. Better, better <laughs> just keep than, it going. It's better content than they're going to get, to be fair. <laughs> keep, keep it going. This goes on forever. <laughs> it's still going. It's better than any fireworks I had this year. I think you can blow them out, you know. <laughs> you do it. Gone. Yay! Oh, thank you very much, guys. You'll have to share it later. Right, football feeling, come on. Right, what a weekend we've just had, Mark. Um, and it all finished yesterday with Man City, Chelsea. This was a proper game of football, wasn't it? It was, because I think we spent so much recently talking about VAR, and it started with VAR, and I was oh. like, another big game's going to get ruined by it. And then what we love about this league and football took over. It was just a brilliant, brilliant football game. Four all, stoppage time goal. Poch running on the pitch at the end going mad. You Couldn't did. figure out what it was. I think he thought there should have been another four minutes, and I think there should have been. Um, it was just brilliant. And yeah, look, the, the, there was the VAR stuff. at the. I'm, I'm not really fussed. Like, it was a brilliant game. Chelsea went toe-to-toe with Man City. Uh, I was really impressed with the play that way they played. I still think they need a striker, but they, they, were, they were good. I, I, I think if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd be looking at it now and going, Potter's system starting to work. They don't play in Europe. They could really build from there. And with Spurs and everyone else dropping off, I wouldn't say there's an, I'd say there's an outside chance they could push and, and, and get into the top. Uh, what, have we genuinely got a title race on our hands then? Because there's been a few results lately in the last few weeks where everybody kind of thinks that it's going to go a certain way, a certain way. And then everybody's just gone, oh, hold on a minute. And like I said in the intro there, three points separating the top five. This is what we want to see, isn't it? Oh, this is why we love the, the Premier League. Look, I, I have got to have that soft spot for Pochettino and uh, Chelsea because they were my dark horses. And I really believe without the European football and when he could have a good training week with them and get everything going, I thought that they would come strong at some point. 
Uh, and they are they are a really good team, but that was proper football yesterday. Four four. That's what we all sign up for. You know, you, you don't want the nil nil draws. Yeah. Um, it was proper exciting football. But going back to the original question, the title now, there's some proper teams in that top ten. Yeah. And I do think that we've got the best footballers, we've got the best coaches, and the games are just relentless in terms of the quality that's within them. And I think there will be some turns, little deviations this year because that quality in that top 10 is is going to be, for sure, teams can beat everybody. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, I want to I want to talk I want to talk about Cole Palmer. Okay, mm. um, what is he? 21 years old, Jay. 20, 20, 20 21 years old. Um, He's taken two penalties in the last couple of weeks, yeah. Big, massive, pressure penalties where he's basically taken the ball off Raheem Sterling, yeah, and he's then just gone and dispatched the penalty. The one that he scored yesterday in the 90-whateverth minute, that takes massive cojones, doesn't it? I massive thought, cojones. I thought he was going to miss it, and, and, and that's credit to him for scoring it because yeah. I thought the, the, the weather, the rain, it's against his former club. It's in, he knows that's the last chance to get a point they deserve. And, and where he put it as well, you know, the way he hit it. Great Some penalty. people would just blast it. Yeah. I, I was really impressed with him. And I thought, I did wonder what the, all the hype was all about, to be honest, when they paid that amount of money. But watching him over the last few weeks, they've got a real, real talent there. And also what we were talking about in the United Stand About United, is that they've also got the mentality, which is going to be the really important Yeah, he, he didn't look phased one little bit. Is it? Do, you, do you think, I think this morning, by the way, there's been some breaking news that he's been called into the England squad today. Um, still no Raheem Sterling in that England squad, by the way. Has Cole Palmer effectively just put paid to any chances Sterling's ever got of getting back, getting back into that squad then? Well, if he keeps delivering what he's delivering now, then for sure he's going to stay in that squad. Um I think this, the time, the the weight that he had for the penalty, were it two minutes, 50 yeah. seconds or something? And you know what it's like when you face guys from your former teammates or in England training, when you know that you've had a penalty and he's against you and you've, you've done it so many times, he would have had so many thoughts, but he looked ultra cool, went through a process and he slotted it in like it were on the Sunday, talk, Sunday talk morning. Talk to me about him as a player. What is Cole Palmer as a player? What does he bring to Chelsea? Well, I think what he's brought this year is is some youthfulness, yeah. no fear. Yeah. Younger players play with no fear because there's no repercussions for them. He plays with no fear. He's brave on the ball. He takes up unbelievable positions. But he can jink, he can dribble, he sees a pass, and he's brave. Yeah. And obviously, at the minute, he's just riding on the crest of that wave. He's made a massive decision to leave Man City to go to play for Chelsea. Obviously, to get in at Man City is tough for any footballer. And if he thought that he weren't going to get much time and he and he's obviously really backing himself, no, I'm going to go and prove Pep wrong, Man City wrong. Yes, there's a massive fee involved, but I'm going to go and show you that I deserve to have been in at Man City. If you could turn the clock back six months, who are you taking, Cole Palmer or Mason Mount? Well, I'm probably... Well, I'm, I'm taking Mason Mount because I didn't know enough about Palmer at the time. I'm saying if you can just, like, tell the future a little bit or something like that, would you have swapped that? What? Oh, at Man United. <laughs> oh, 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 yes, obviously. <laughs> All right. No, you wondered where you were taking you. I, know, though, I, you? I, I wonder where we were going as well. We we're going on Ibiza or England. <laughs> I did think you were talking about England. No, I mean, look, I'd take Cole Palmer now. But what I would say about the England selection, if it's not Gareth Southgate doing it, I'd probably be a bit happier with it. But Raheem Sterling this season, I saw him play against West Ham. Brilliant. Yesterday. Yeah. Brilliant. He is in his prime, ready to deliver, and we've got a Euros coming up. 
I think Raheem Sterling should be in the squad. I don't agree with it. It's the same with Ward-Prowse, another two assists not in the squad for Jordan Henderson, who's retired to Saudi Arabia. I don't agree with a lot of what Southgate... Calvin Phillips yesterday didn't even play again, not in the team. So I like Cole Palmer, but I think that's just Southgate playing to the media because they love him. Like I personally think Raheem Sterling is experienced and playing some of the best football he's played because last year when he went to Chelsea I wasn't so sure this season I think he's a leader I think he's consistent and I'm not always his biggest fan um, I, I think it's bang out of order that he's not in the squad I mean he's better than Bowen um, either way it was, a, it was a banging game I absolutely buzzed off it for yeah, that's exactly what, that's the perfect advert for Premier League football isn't it so uh, well done, Man City. Well done, Chelsea. Um, let's move on to Spurs then, because I don't think anybody saw this coming. Actually, do you know what? Some people might have saw yeah. this coming because obviously massive injuries to to Madison, to Van der Ven, uh, Romero missing as well, and they are the three players I'd say that really get Spurs ticking, aren't they? So this is a huge result for Wolves as well, wasn't well, it? Well, this is the, the 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 issues that we spoke about with Spurs. If they had injury problems, suspensions in key key areas. Can they survive? Yeah. Well, ultimately, going on the early kickoff on Saturday, then it looks as though they can't survive missing the three three big players like that. But I think Wolves are a, a dark horse team. I think they've been really, really good this season. They've had the most poor decisions against them. I think they could have been easily within that top seven or eight with the, the points that they've lost. I think Gary O'Neill's been a phenomenal manager. I think they are a really, really good team. I don't suggest that they're a top ten team, but... I think they're going to cause problems for most teams. They've beat City and ultimately they deserve to beat Tottenham. You don't expect to concede two in injury time when you're a top, top team, even with all the problems you've had there. But the first goal for Wolves, I have to say, is honestly, if anybody else had scored that goal, touch, volley, opposite foot, it was an incredible goal. And you just saw it was like a needle going into the whole Spurs team. The wind just went out the yeah. sails. And to be honest, I've worked with I've worked with Lamina. He was a real top, top player at Southampton, and I thought he would have gone on to bigger and better things, and that's not being disrespectful to Wolves. It's come back to the Premier League. I think I think he's a phenomenal footballer. And you just saw at that minute, it's a quick free kick, play it wide, runs off the back of Hoiberg, and then we talk about the defending. Dyer lets him go. Yeah. As a centre half, just go with a run. And you probably get a sliding tackle, a block, mm-hmm. and he just and that's why Dyer's not been in the team. Yeah, yeah. He lets him run, especially in the ninety whatever yeah. minute as well. You've, you've done got, everything. You've, you've done every. You've got. You're nearly at the line. You've got to just go right. Let's just everybody quickly get back in. Do not let anything like that happen. Um, how worried should Spurs be then? Because it's been an absolute barnstorming start to the season from everybody's actually saying oh they could actually mm. do it this year they could actually do it a couple injuries down now and it's almost like the wind's really just been taken out of their sails well it was weird for us in, in a way because they won they're up in the first three minutes and the football was fantastic the way the movement of Son to pull people out and then they exploited the space with Porro and then Johnson moves into the Son position it was a brilliant goal and you think well we've got all these players out but that's they still know how they're playing. And we've seen that happen with Klopp in the past where players are missing and they still play the same way. And after that, they did nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I don't know whether they thought that was going to be enough against Wolves because they don't score goals because in the second half, Wolves absolutely dominated them. I think I am worried about Spurs because between now and January, which is when they can spend or get people back, probably 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta. Because we know on one flight, Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. About eight games, which is a large portion of the season. So if they're going to drop and hemorrhage points between that, they will drop down the league. And suddenly a title race will be seventh or eighth. So I am worried about Spurs because I don't think they've got the quality. But I was going to ask you, Ben, as somebody who likes Spurs... Ange, Monday night, we've not spoken about the tactics, Oof, the high line, yeah. and the tactics yesterday when he's 1-0 up. You know, he's probably gone a little bit defensive against Wolves and it's cost him. Chelsea went a little bit on the front foot. Do you think Ange, the bubble's burst a little bit with the media now? I don't, yeah, I don't know if, if the bubble's burst with the media because I still think he's going to do what he's got to do, but I just do think that, especially in the Premier League, when the the, the level that you're playing against is always going to be very high. It's all, they're always going to have quick players, they're always going to have tactical, skillful players. Um the other night, for example, against Chelsea, you've, everybody's seen the lines, haven't they? Everybody's seen the freeze frames of when you've got like four or five Spurs defenders on the halfway line. And I'm thinking, you can't do that in the no. Premier League. You cannot do that in the Premier League. Yeah, In the Scottish League, you're not going to have players that are going to be able to run like an absolute steam train. In the Premier League, every team is full of them. And it's asking for trouble. It really, really is. Even against Wolves, when you're in the 90th, 90th, 2nd, 90th, so at some point, you have to look at each other and go, boys, boys, right... Let's get it together now, right? Everybody just stick together. Have you get ever been tight. down to nine men? Um, I don't know. I don't know. But either way, even, even if you go down to ten, you know what's coming. You've got to drill in. Even, even if you go down to ten, you know what's coming. But you do work on this in training, don't you? Yeah. you managers genuinely will go, right, we're going to play 11 v 10 today, lads. Just in case this happens, this is what we do. Mm. And that means basically one of the front people, basically you drop into that midfield, you drop into a basically a holding holding midfielder, and we all stay there. We get tight, we get compact, we make sure they don't get in behind us. If they're going to get down the sides, they get down the sides, cool. We'll deal with a ball into the box when that happens. But I just don't feel like he's he's kind of reading those situations at this moment in time where he does have to just go like, lads, just chill for a minute. I know we love to play a lovely game of football, but now's not the time, all right? But is, is that the difference? Because normally, 100%, you go low, deep blocks and make the other team beat you. And again, because he, he's new to the Premier League and fearless, really, in the way that Tottenham have started the league, he's gone, do you know what? We're going to do something different here. And he played the real high line. We played it at Southampton probably three or four years ago. Uh, and disaster after two games. We had, we had to change because... There's too much space in behind, and the quality they are like they two three passes and then suck you in, boom, and you can't do it. And ultimately, that tactic cost them in the end. But he tried to do something different. But then the good of the low block, <coughs> just to try and see a game out with eleven men against Wolves, and couldn't do it then. So it managers have to make these decisions. I've played against um, or been in a team with nine men once in the season we were in the Premier League, and we got beat three to at home off Liverpool. 
I mean, honestly, it's you feel as though it's impossible. It's bad enough playing the top teams when you've got 11 players. But we had nine men against Liverpool and, yeah, I mean... It, it was a busy afternoon, was it? A busy afternoon. <laughs> and uh, I, I actually thought we did amazing stuff. Yeah. But you still get beat and it means nothing, you yeah. know what I mean? And actually, we, we, we went down anyway, but that, that kind of was the end for us. We, we couldn't... Well, it's, surely about, it. it's surely about keeping the scoreline, isn't it? Because if Spurs are in fourth place and Chelsea are in fourth place in May and you miss out by two goals, you look back at that and you go, 4-1. That could have been might have kept it down to 2-1. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's the point, I think, because the high line really nearly worked, didn't it? But as soon as it goes to 2-1, yeah. it's, it's finished now. Right, come on, we've got to have a different plan at this point because exactly, yeah. there's no point getting beat three or four. We've got beat. Let, let's... Mate, the amount of times Vicario, especially against Chelsea, the amount of times Vicario... That could have been 40, nine. Yeah, the 40 yards out from his goal and he was doing last-ditch tackles but just getting there in front of the... It's another, it's another red then, isn't it? You yeah, know what exactly, I mean? You, yeah. You're forcing another issue. It's just crazy. Just uh, quickly, a bit of love to Wolves, OK? So up to 12th in the league. Um, bearing in mind, they've had some unbelievable Could be bad luck. a title luck. race. They, they have had some unbelievable oh. bad luck so far this season. Honestly, but we're buzzing for Gary O'Neill, aren't we? Yeah, I absolutely love everything he's done. And, um, yeah, I, I think Wolves have, have been probably out of the whole pack the one surprise this year. The whole pack, I like it. It was a Wolf reference. Yeah. Um, Gary O'Neill's... Ben, Craig Dawson, massive shout-out. He was... World class. He's always world class. It's Craig Dawson. You know what you're going to get from on the Craig Fozcast, Dawson. Yeah. He will never come on the Fozcast. He hates doing stuff like that. He is an absolute weirdo. But it's fine. We love you though, Watto. <laughs> uh, and by the way, if you can watch... Uh, I know Gary... you love me. I know you love me. We love, we love you guys. We love guys. <laughs> if you can, go and watch uh, Gary O'Neill's um, his, his speech that he did after the game. It was it was very nice. It was good to watch. Uh, right, we got um, Palace versus Everton. Palace versus Everton. Five-goal thriller. Um, I actually... Where's Luton, Man United? Um, last on, yeah, last on, mate, last on, mate. It was a boring 1-0 <laughs> win. It was, a, it was quite literally a boring 1-0 <laughs> win. Even you said it was. Uh, Five-goal thriller um, at Salhurst Park. Everton, I think I predicted this one uh, would win this 3-2. I didn't predict this one at all. He said easy home win. Um, how, how, uh, how well has Sean Dyche done, by the way? Because um, from early season form to, to where they are now, um, he has turned it right around, hasn't he? Yeah, Palace are a good side. Um, that they are a good side, and especially at home. So, I don't know whether Everton have found this form. It's maybe it's a, maybe it's another indicator of sometimes giving a manager time because he he scraped survival. They started the season off badly. Everton fans are really concerned, and then over the last few games, they're probably the the form team in the Premier League yeah. at the moment. Um, and I think a lot of that's got to do with having a striker like Calvert Lewin in the team, back fit. But um, he's got them organised. I think they're buying into his system now. I think the fans are buying into it, and there's a they're not going to get relegated and it's a bit of an adventure for Everton now as to what they can do with a new stadium. They, they just seem like they're one of these teams who are good at grinding out a result. Up to 14th now, eight points clear of the drop um, of the relegation zone, sorry. Um, that's But that's what you're going to get with Sean Dyke, so, isn't it? Yeah, you've not... Look, they're nowhere near in trouble in terms of relegation. You always fear they're going into a new stadium and what Everton fans yeah. want. Look, Sean Dyche is what Sean Dyche football is, but actually they do play a bit more football than you give them credit yeah. for. And they have got some good players. So if you put that in the mix, I didn't see this game coming, but momentum in sport is a, a key. They've had a few good results and they're on the back of that now. Good players play well when they've got the momentum. Everton have got the momentum at the minute. Um, and when they can score goals, 
normally they're going to see enough games out because defensively they're not too bad. All right, so I've got a little stat for you here. Okay, so Everton, 14th in the league, um, but their away record is the third joint best. Okay, 10 points that they've gained on the road so far this season. Do teams, is there certain teams that like playing away from home more than playing at home? And why would that be? I think for Everton, no, normal 4-4-2, they just play football. If teams come on to them, yeah. they are, can be a real threat. At home, when you've got to really... Yes, the fans give you the attacking momentum at Goodison Park. But if teams come and say, right, we know it's a tough game here, we're, we're not going to give you the spaces, we're going to defend in that deep, mid to low block, then not being disrespectful to Everton, they've not got the City's creativity, they've not got Arsenal's creativity on the wing. So it's hard to break them teams down. Yes, they're going to get loads of balls wide, maybe not beat players in wide areas and cross balls into the box, but teams are set up to defend against that. But when you, you play away from home and the onus is on the home team exactly. and there's more yeah. space... Yeah. Well, they lost yeah. to Luton at home, didn't they? Yeah, and Luton are just sat in there waiting for the moments and the onus is on them to attack. Yeah. I think they're set up to play away from home, Ever. Yeah, so basically that's the, there's no expectation necessarily, really. They've only got probably like four or 5,000 away fans. The home team, Crystal Palace, for example, you know what the Crystal Palace fans are going to be. They're baying for blood. They want them to be attacking, but that leaves spaces at the back, doesn't it? I think as well, talking about Luton, if I was Everton, I'd be ringing up the Premier League on this international break and saying, can we have the 12-point deduction now, please? Because if they get it this season... <laughs> They'll be, they're, they're comfortable. They could they're, do They actually, are comfortable. Yeah. They I'd take, could. I would take that now because you never know what next season's going to be. <laughs> that's true, um, that's and 12 true. points normally should be sending you down, but I think if they took 12 points, they'll be fine. This could be one of the seasons where yeah. you could take a 12 points hit, even yeah. for Everton, and yeah. still manage to stay yeah, up. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, let's talk about your mob then, Mark. Oh, we're up, we're up. Let's we're up. talk about your mob <laughs> then. Um, Form team of the league. Well, I don't know about that, but still, you know, we, we we did a United stand last week and we spoke about United's next two fi fixtures, Copenhagen and Luton, and we both had them earmarked as sort of almost like, not season-defining, but if they could put in two massive performances, get some goals, you know, really good performances, like I say, um, it can really kick-start them going into the international break and then kicking on from there forward. Obviously lost against Copenhagen, very disappointing. But then, yes, the, uh, sorry, on Saturday against Luton, it was just a bit boring, wasn't it? It was boring. I, I said it was boring on my, my match reaction. It was really boring. And I think the problem, they've won four of their last five, but the, the, I mean, the, the seven games United have won this year, three of them are bottom three. I think they're all bottom half. And we've got some tough games coming up before Christmas. The problem I've got with United is, is I don't really mind Maguire and Evans at the back. I don't really mind Regwell. We've got, we've got injuries. Hoyland, I think, will score goals. Rashford's out of form. Bruno's out of form. Yeah. The midfield, every game... United have played for the last six or seven similar shots on target from both teams. Now, I know stats can be deceiving, but we're not having as many chances. You know, everyone's having similar chances as us. And I think that comes down to we never win the midfield battle. And mm. McTominay and Ericsson and Bruno will work hard, but there's no balance when you look at Chelsea with Casido, Enzo and Gallagher or Liverpool or even Aston Villa. There's no balance in that midfield. And I look at United this season compared to last year, and I was really impressed last year. It wasn't always good football, but... I felt like it was building something. And this year I watched United and I'm like, it's almost like last season was a different coach. It's, and I know we've had injuries, but those injuries were inevitable because of how much, how, you know, he overplayed players really. Yeah. So you're always going to pick up injuries. But they just, I describe United at the moment as survival mode. And how long can you play survival mode football? Yeah. Because eventually you won't survive. So he's got to find a way to be like Chelsea who are surviving, but progressing. And I don't think, United don't, they're not, they're not progressing. I, I look at the team every week and I go, that can't be the plan. 
So we're well, doing all right at the moment. What's the story with Hoyland? So scoring goals in, in, in the uh, Champions League, doing okay in Europe, but when it comes to the Premier League, still still struggling to hit the back of the net. I, do, I just think it's coincidence because he's top scorer in the Champions League, which is the best domestic tournament in the world. And in the Premier League, he doesn't get the same sort of opportunities. He, he sort of had two chances against Luton, probably should have done a little bit better. He will score goals. Yeah. I'm not worried about him. It's, it, it's, it's more the midfield for me. I just think that we're, we're not getting older games. And if you don't get older games in the Premier League, you're always going to give people a chance, whether it's Luton, Palace, Man City. Otto, if um, if United would have failed to win this game, do you reckon Ten Hag would have been going into that international break genuinely worrying? Well, I think he's he's under pressure. Look, they're obviously losing the midweek at Champions League, but they've gone away to Fulham and had a 1-0 win, and they've had a 1-0 win against Luton. Ultimately, in the Premier League, we know it's a tough, tough, tough league. So two 1-0 wins, you're normally happy with that. But we're talking about Man United, one of the brightest shining lights in world football of the Premier League era, you expect so much more. They're playing Luton Town at home, yeah? Fulham away, tough game, granted. But, like, the Hoyland stat, I'm really surprised because, like, he is a good, good player. But, like, against Luton Town's defence, to be fair, it's like the Copenhagen defence. They're not the top, top levels, you know what I mean? And I'd expect him and United to be doing so much more. And that's not being disrespectful to Luton because, actually, they've probably deserved a few more points than what they've got but a promoted team going to Man United it would just you could normally put your score on it 4-5 like going to City tough tough games and United are just not playing like that now they've not got the freedom to play they seem to be playing more within themselves they're not it's, there's no there's no enjoyment in the football like it used to be and Luton had chances to maybe think on another day we'll get something and you would never, ever have that going away to Man United. So things are not quite as they should be. But ultimately, is winning football matches just? Question to you, Ben. 30 wins in his first 50 games for Ten Hag. 26 wins in his first 50 for Klopp. As a Ten Hag inner, I could say, well, look, you know, the progress is better than that of Liverpool. I know I'm lying. I know the reason I'm lying. But what 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 would you say about that? You know what? That's That's a good question. And... I think maybe maybe all of us are probably um, guilty of being a bit too harsh on Manchester United. Like you say, 1-0 wins. It's a win. It's a win. Genuinely, it's a win. Whether it's one or five, it's, it's three points at the end of the day. Yeah? You don't get me wrong, you'd love to be able to win 5-0 and play incredible football, but don't always work like that. Teams will sit in and make it difficult for you. 30 wins from the first 50 games isn't bad, you know. That's been incredible, yeah. <laughs> it is he can not, win. He can win. That's it is thing. not bad, genuinely. The only thing I will say is, obviously, if you're comparing it to that Jurgen Klopp stat, is that Jurgen Klopp didn't have a bunch of 70 or 80 million recently bought players playing for him at the same time. And I think that's the reason why Eric Ten Hag is being judged so harshly. If you look at the amount of money that Man United have spent on certain players that are flopping, mm. as opposed to some of the players that Klopp bought, and have done really well, have thrived, then I think that's probably why. I think that's the reason why people judge it so harshly. But stats speak for themselves. 30 wins in the first 50 games. I'm with you, mate. I think that's a, I think that's a really good record. I think as well with Klopp, I, mean, I don't remember, but I would imagine in that 50 games there was more of a vision of what he was trying to build. Exactly, yeah. And I think with Ten Hag, that is something that, yeah, even as a United fan, we see glimpses of it, but we don't... You can't... You couldn't take a non-United fan to watch United that's and what go, we, look at what we're doing. We've, yeah. we've spoke about it, haven't we? Like United seem to be the only top, or we, we, we believe the like, real challenge is going to be a top six, top five, top 14. But they're the only ones out of that group we talk about that we don't really know their identity. Mm. 
You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and that's where we have the question marks because the rest of them look like they're really on form, on page, they know what they're doing. United are kind of stuck between so many... Uh, especially stuff. as Ten Hag was brought in with just an identity. That's it. We all know what he's going to do. He's come from Ajax. He plays this lovely, expansive football. That's what Man United are going to do nowadays, and he's miles off it still. Right, let's move it on. Arsenal, Burnley... Um, I kind of obviously we've seen the goals of this one, but I was watching Soccer Saturday and uh, nil nil all the way up to half time. Trossard scores his goal and Paul Merson's sitting there and he goes, um, Trossard scored, now that's one nil half time, that's it, the floodgate will open now. And I'm thinking, steady on Merce, chill on me. And then uh, obviously Burnley go and equalise, and, uh, but, you, but Arsenal saw it through. It's a good result in the end, but it's nothing that we didn't really expect. Yeah, it? no, look, Burn, Burnley have found it really difficult, haven't they? The only surprise in this game, really, was that Arsenal conceded a goal. I, I expected a home win for sure. Um, Burnley um, are, are having a real tough, tough time. I think anybody accept, would accept Arsenal away, tough fixture. But they've got to do so much better in normal conditions. But ultimately, they get back in the game, it's one apiece, and then they concede two set plays. Yeah. And you, you've played in goal, I've played in goal, and I've coached a lot of teams. And in goal. Burnley, Burnley have the setup on the corner, but because it's the zonal bit and they have the runner, like you're in goal, we're looking at the corner taker, and it's the same for the zonal guys, and they all pop inside you, and it's, it's good action. But the goalie never sees him come on the inside, boom, header. Yeah. And it's so hard to defend because you expect the run coming the other side of you. And you're just not scanning and seeing it. And that's where, against the zonal defence, they can get the headers. But they'd be disappointed to, to concede two goals from set plays. Are you saying you're not a fan of zonal marking then? On, on no, I, I prefer zonal marking now with a VAR because I think you're going to get penalties against you. But you, you've got to be in a better position, you've got to be opened up to see where the guys are that you're not marking because you can't mark everybody when you're yeah. zonal and you've got to know then where the threat's going to come from when they take up different positions and it will like, oh, these have just done something that we're not quite sure of here, boom and it's a goal. See, I've always hated zonal but that's quite a good point then, so if you don't go zonal you go man to man with VAR yeah. you're grabbing each other so there's more that, chance. That, that's, that's why I, I changed in my latter years because I thought that you were going to get more penalties given mm. against you. This is Tony Pulis, Tony Pulis, we would just do man to man marking and what he would say is he'd say, yeah. lads, if it's your player that scores, then you're getting fined. Yeah. All right, don't lose your man, don't get beaten, don't let him score. Otherwise, you're going to get fined. But in them days, you could get you a could bit, do that, a bit you tight. You could a bit, give, yeah. give them a bit of a rugby tackle, and that now, I think um, you, you're at the risk of it, and you can have like what you'd call two or three markers, but they're like blockers, really. They're not going to grab you. They're just going to stop your run, and your guys then in the zone. You'll have your positions where you really go and see and attack that football. Well, Burnley, uh, bottom of the league now, 12 games, goal difference of minus 21. They're on four points. Um, have a look at this for a little stat, right? Okay, so already this season, yeah, there's been 27 red cards in the Premier League, right? The whole of last year, there was 30. In the whole of the Premier League season last year, there were 30 red cards. There's already been 27. Is all of that down to VAR? Yeah. Simple as that, it is. Yeah, I think this season, I mean, it's a shame to talk about it again, but we, we're seeing it week in, week out. They are over-refereeing the games. Yeah. They're looking for stuff. I don't know. This this has to come from the top. It's got to be coming from Howard Webb because if last season we only had 30 and now we've got 27 and we had VAR last year, but I've noticed it a lot this year and I think fans are frustrated with it. It's the, it's the stoppages. It's the time. It's the referee having to stop because someone said, oh, I've seen something. I think these VAR officials are refereeing off the pitch, which they shouldn't be doing because it's meant to be about clear and obvious when it's a penalty. So 
referees are letting things go on the pitch and then they're going like, you know, we've seen Gusto, we've seen Curtis Jones, we've seen uh, incidents even this weekend, uh, the Endo one, which we'll talk about, which I think was a red as well. But really, I think that we shouldn't be refereeing the game like that. Uh, I can't remember what I was saying to you or someone last week. If you miss a red card on the pitch, it doesn't matter. Ban them after the game for yeah. the next two so, or three games. Yeah. Let the game flow, and I think they're just over refereeing it. I think this this is my problem with VAR at the minute. Well, one of the one of my problems. We've got a million problems with VAR, but I just feel it. It just takes the the sting out of the game, the momentum out of the game, the flow. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you you could have a, you could have one of the smaller teams on top, and they're they're doing really well against the team. VAR decision comes in two minutes, three minutes, four minutes sometimes. It completely flattens it, doesn't it? It's like players were taught back in the day: go down with an injury. Yeah, if you're under pressure, yeah, if we're if we're if we're doing well, if we're in the game and you're under pressure, just somebody go down, it, yeah. just lie down, kill the game for a little bit. All right, take the sail out of the team that's in the ascendancy, and then we'll get a foot back in the game again. This is doing this five, six, seven times a game now. This is without us even trying to do it. VAR is doing it, isn't it? No, VAR for me is, is killing the game. The time shouldn't be like that yeah. at all. For what I believe are real simple decisions. And I don't know if the if the red cards are more because the the ref goes to the monitor, and if the ref just has the still image, he's oh, always going to produce trouble. the red Slow card. Down, yeah. But if you actually just let it play in natural time and let him see it again, it is different. But the the still images just kill, kill it because I don't care if you've never played football in your life. When you see the still image, you're just always going to give the because it looks dangerous and it looks nasty. Right, let's talk about the Saturday night game, Bournemouth against Newcastle. By the way, um, Leonardo, Leonardo Trossard, that was the thousandth goal at the Emirates in all competitions. Did you know that? Um, I didn't know. That was just one of the stats on the screen. Um, right, anyway, let's talk about it then. Who gets um, excited about that? I think um, even Arsenal fans go, wow, thousand goals goal. at Emirates. I'm having a day off work. No, probably not. Um, Bournemouth, Newcastle. Um, this was a tough one. This was for Newcastle. It's a fantastic result for Bournemouth. Don't get me wrong. But as soon as you saw that starting lineup for Newcastle, you thought, "Ooh, I'm not sure how this one's going to go." You know. You, well, for Bournemouth, obviously Eddie Howe coming back. Yeah. Um, but when they would have seen the team sheet, they're thinking, "Come on!" And you've been there. You always fancy your chances against one of the bigger teams and Newcastle for sure now are one of the bigger teams when you've got a home game yeah. and they've had that Champions League game. Yeah, without doubt. You always think you've got a chance, not only because there's potential that they can change the team, but you know that they're running a little bit on empty. Yeah. And you've just got to start the game and let them know today's not a freebie, guys. And Bournemouth started the game great. Pope made a few real big saves because it could have been two or three very, very early on in the piece. And I actually thought when Newcastle survived that, they might have grown into the game. But Bournemouth kept going, kept yeah, going, kept good, going. They were good, weren't they? They were very, very, very good. Very, very good. And, and they got Newcastle at the right time. And sometimes in the season for a team who've yeah. been struggling, it, it, it just falls in your lap. But you've still got to win the game. And I thought Bournemouth were excellent. Newcastle, obviously, not quite where they need to be. But, but for Bournemouth, I think that'll give them the momentum. And the bottom three sides, seeing that, it's like a dagger to the heart, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Because it's, that gets everybody else it, moving this, away. This is a massive thing, right? There's so many times in the season where you come up against teams and like, if you're coming up against a team who are in massively good form at that minute and they've got no injuries and they're flying, you think, oh, God, this is the worst time to be playing them. And then you might see you're somebody in a similar position, somebody you know is going to be fighting relegation or something, and they're playing a team like a Newcastle. They're going, oh, that's literally the best time to be playing them. You're so, so lucky. Um, but that's just the way they were. It kind of does even itself out in the end. Um, but yeah, but as well though, sorry, going back to the Champions League thing you were talking about there as well, I think for the likes of like a Man City or maybe even a Liverpool who 
are seasoned veterans at playing in the Champions League and playing in Europe and then going back into the Premier League three, four days later and churning out another performance. It's something that they're used to doing. But I think for Newcastle this season, obviously with the injuries as well, but it's probably... It, not not overwhelming, but it's going to tire them out a little bit more because it's not something that they're particularly used to, is it? No, and I think I think the injuries is something that United have got, Chelsea have got, Newcastle have got now, Spurs have got. Yeah. And to be honest, I think I don't really have a lot of sympathy. I really don't because it's not surprising that the you're, you're going to play three times a week and pick up injuries in the modern game where referees are adding 10 minutes on to the end of every game. I would have known this as a CEO and a manager in the summer. And as a manager, if I was Eddie Howe, I would have said, we might hit November mm. and be decimated and that's going to impact points. Are we, are we happy with that? Because ultimately, Eddie Howe has got Chelsea and United next two games. He's, got, he's probably going to get knocked out of the Champions League and I don't know when the players are coming back. So if he loses four or five games before Christmas and they're out of the Champions League, with the owners they've got, this is why I've said before, how long will Eddie Howe be there? Because he's done a great job. Yeah. But Newcastle are not like boxing above their weight they are meant to be building to be the next man city and you you worry about what decisions might be made now i think they'll be, i think newcastle's been run really well i think it's common sense but all these injuries man united have got newcastle chelsea i don't have a lot of sympathy because you could see it coming you've got to build squads now this is why man city can play without de bruyne for three months because they've got other players like fill in, in that place uh, what do you make of uh kieran trippier uh, full-time going over to some of the newcastle fans obviously the newcastle fans are disappointed they made the, the long old journey <laughs> the longest journey probably in football actually newcastle down to bournemouth uh the team's lost don't get me wrong newcastle give you everything they've got they always do but what do you make of kieran trippier going over to some uh, some disgruntled fans and having a word with them I think if that's Bruno Fernandes, that blows up in a completely different way because of the way the media works in this country. But taking that aside, I think players have always got the right to go and speak to fans. Yeah. I think I think in a way it's good. You don't want it to go into anything nasty or anything like that. Um, and obviously he's just played 90 minutes. He's playing a lot of football. He's the captain. He's got every right to go over and speak to them. And I think the Newcastle fan has actually apologised yeah, afterwards. I saw that. Yeah, I saw but that. on the other hand... Those fans have travelled the left length of the country. It's a long way to go. Yeah. And if they don't think the players are giving it, then they've got a right to express it. But one thing I would say about Newcastle is I don't think you can ever say their players aren't putting a shift in. Yeah, I think no, that's what Trippy is saying. It's like, it's not like we're not putting a shift in. We've got a load of injuries. Now, I don't agree the injuries are an excuse because it's Bournemouth, but I think it's I think they're both, you know, I think they're both right and they're both wrong. And I yeah. think it's just one of those where you file it off. As I say, if it was Bruno, I think the press would jump on it because it's a foreign player. Without doing doubt, it. yeah. But I don't know. What do you, I think it's a bit no, I, I think it, yeah, I think it's emotional on both parts. Trippier knows he's done his tubes in that game to yeah. try and get a result for Newcastle. He's running on empty, travelling, you know, Europe down to Bournemouth. Um, the Newcastle fans, are like any fan in the country, they've paid the money, they've travelled, they want to see the team win. And he's probably obviously got a little bit overexcited. Didn't think that they quite gave enough. Trippier's thinking, come on, mate, yeah, I've yeah, done yeah. my bit this week for you and this team and for us. And they've both had a little spot. And I, look, I, I don't think there's nothing too negative about it. Both guys believe that their points were right. And it's like anything, you can have a, hopefully, a, a relatively decent conversation about it and move on. But like, I think Newcastle are in a tough point. They've not been in the Champions League. They've chased the Holy Grail. They've got it, but they've not had time to implement making the plans for behind it. Yeah. City, Liverpool, they've done it year upon year upon year, United. And you need the big squads. You, you need everything in place to be able to sustain and do that year upon year. And I'm sure because of the funding Newcastle have got, 
they'll get it right in the end. But whether they can actually sustain the the the, the Premier League form to get back in it this year is going to be really tough for them. I think. Do you think they'll get top four? Oh, um, yes. Mm. Yes, I do. It is open to get it. Yes, I do. I think um, international break is going to be massive for them now. Get a few get a few players back from injury, and I think we'll see them pop again. Their home form will always be incredible, Newcastle. You know what you're going to get from up there. It's a real tough place to go, and I think they'll pick up points from home. Like I said, the last, next two fixtures, probably not the time that you want those sort of fixtures. Um, just quickly going back to Kieran Trippier point, though, it's become a little bit of a phenomenon in football lately, though, hasn't it? Have you seen it in, in France a lot lately? Yeah. You know, you get all these ultras and stuff, and them coming over and getting to be able to speak to the manager. Microphones, getting to speak to the manager and players personally. I just think it's a bit... I don't know, I don't know. I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure what I make of it all. I think at the end of the game, emotions are running high from from both parties. So in the end, if it keeps happening, then something negative will happen. Yeah. Because the emotions are too high from both parties in the argument. Um, I don't mind it under normal circumstances, but when the emotions are so high... For everybody, I, I think I think we probably have to knock it on the head. Quickly, give some love to Dominic Solanke. Um, if if Bournemouth do stay up this season, it will be thanks to him because he is. I think he scored what fifty five percent of their goals so far this season. But if they did go down, he's somebody that would be on a shopping list of quite mm. a few Premier League teams, wouldn't he? No, he's done very well. Experienced Premier League striker now. I think he'll knock enough goals in for Bournemouth. And as I said, I don't think they need to worry. To be perfectly honest yeah. with you, I, th- I think. You touched on it before. If if ever there's a season to to do your business in terms of potentially losing points, yeah. it, it, it potentially is this year. And I think Bournemouth are a good team. And yes, it fell in the lap the Newcastle game, but I think I think they'll be well clear of trouble this year. Okay, Villa versus Fulham in a minute. But quickly, um, talking of strikers. Who do we think is the best striker in the world right now? Like right now at this moment in time, Harry Kane. Oh. I think I might be with you. Yeah, I mean, I think Erling Haaland is a, is a quality player, but I think Bayern Munich and Harry Kane go in there and we always used to, you know, Lewandowski was winning Ballon d'Ors and, and contender for Ballon d'Ors, yeah. scoring goals for Bayern Munich. So if Harry Kane's doing it in his first season, then you've got to give him the same praise. So Har- I think Harry Kane, fantastic. 17 goals and five assists in his last 11 Bayern Munich game. Haaland's got 13 Premier League goals this season and Bappe's got 13 in the Farmers League. Um, are we unanimous on this one, Harry no, Kane, right no, now? No, I can't, I can't. I have, to, I have to go with Haaland just because he's playing in the best league. Kane's been phenomenal in the yeah. Premier League. And I'm not being disrespectful to the Bundesliga. We talk about Mbappe and it's the Farmers League. And I'm not saying the Bundesliga is quite like that. But if Kane were doing it in the Premier League like he's always done, I'd be with you. I just think he's he's a phenomenal striker. And I think it's going to be too easy for him in the in the Bundesliga. Think about Kane though, is he scored 28 goals last year in that rubbish yeah, that What would he do in a Man City shirt? That's what we want to see. Yeah, yeah. If, if he was playing for Man City instead of Erling Haaland, do you think he'd have more than 13 Premier League goals this season? I think he would. You know? I, I think he would. I think he would. In, the, between in the box, yeah. I think he finishes more of the chances that Haaland's. Yeah, I think Haaland misses too many of them chances that Harry Kane would just. Well, Sanchez made an up. incredible save, didn't he? Yeah. But when you look back at it, You'd be, you think you can make that save. Yeah. But it's on his left foot, yeah. just inside the box, and it's just within your reach. Harry Kane I think Kane that. puts that in the Harry Kane scoring that. You, are, you haven't got a sniff if you're a goalie, if that's Harry Kane. You know. You'd be looking going, oh, brilliant. It's a goal. Simple as that. Um, 
Yeah, OK. All right. I like it, though. I like it. I still think it's Harry Kane, regardless of, of whether it's Haaland's in the Premier League or not. I still think Harry Kane's top, but uh, never mind. You might get another one right next time. Uh, Aston Villa please, versus... Please Aston, yeah. Aston Villa uh, versus Fulham. Uh, Villa continued their incredible home run. I think it's 13 home league wins in a row now for them. They're up to fifth, three points off top. This is, this is some season for Aston Villa, isn't it? Yeah, but we've just had the conversation about Newcastle, Europe and all them things. Villa are in Europe Exactly, the same. yeah. Um, but the home form is, I mean, to win 13 games in a row for any team at home, it's um, phenomenal stuff. It's, that's Man City standard. Yeah, absolutely. But they're, they're the real deal. I've said it all year about Emery. Um, I think he's a real top, top coach. And I think Villa have got top, top players. If they can recruit really well, mm. really well in January... And they don't have the problems that we've just discussed that Spurs have had. Yeah. Then the top four is well within their reach, and I really believe they could win something this year. Oh, yeah, I've got nothing to add to that. I think I agree. I think I worry about them for the same reason I worry about Spurs. If Ollie Watkins Injuries, gets injured yeah. and DRB or, or a couple, uh, any Diaz, anyone, they're, they're going to be in trouble. Um, and I think the January transfer window has to be on top of the list for teams like Villa, Newcastle, Spurs, because. That fourth place is up for grabs. It's up for grabs. And it will only yeah. not be grabbed because they get injuries or stuff like that. What's the uh, word around Birmingham? Because you're from uh, from the area sort of thing. Villa fans are over the moon at this moment in time, are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got, I was out with a mate on Friday night. He was going to watch it on Sunday. Just sympathetic to me as a Manchester United fan. So you can tell how it's turned around. He was actually going, oh, it'd be nice if you were in the race as well. I was like, what's going on here then? But no, I think, yeah, the, the, especially at Villa Park, they're just loving it. I think away from home, They've had a couple of dodgy results, yeah. haven't they? The Forest result was probably... But even the Forest, I watched that game. Forest defended like a bunch of heroes. Yeah, Villa yeah. absolutely battered. They didn't batter them, but they had all the ball on the 18-yard yeah. box. They just couldn't get through them. It's yeah. as simple as that. Uh, Fulham, um, 16th position. They're six points above the drop zone. Again, it's not going to go down. That's my only worry this season. I like to see it competitive at the mm. top and I like to see it competitive at the bottom. I don't want three teams getting cut adrift. I don't. I want to see I want to see it as a, a fight every single week to try and avoid that relegation. But Fulham, I think they'll be absolutely fine. Like I say, uh, 16th position, still six points above the drop zone. They'll be absolutely fine. Uh, Liverpool versus Brentford. Liverpool, for me, are the sneaky, sneaky dark horses. Well, no, no, you got clip. I, got, I, was, I was part of a clip last week <laughs> and they were going, Goldbridge is the only one talking sense. These two guys are talking about <laughs> Liverpool like it's a shock and Goldbridge actually knows what he's on about because I don't I don't think it is sneaky. Do you not think no, so? No, I think they've been there all season. I've maybe maybe it's because I noticed something that I don't think even the mainstream's picked up is I think what Klopp's done with that midfield in two months. Yeah. And maybe it's because as a United fan, we've not been able to do it in ten years. He's just rebuilt a midfield. And as we know, games are won and lost in the midfield. And he's bought these players in like Sir Bosley, McAllister, Endo, uh, Gravenberg. And and it's they've already had a good defence and a keeper and they've already they can score goals like Salah. And then now they've got a midfield that's competitive and that's got them from where they were last year to where they are now because Fabinho, Henderson's gone. But at the weekend, I think his midfield was Endo, Sabosley and I think Gakpo played in the midfield. Wow. So again, I've just got to give praise to Klopp. He's built a midfield and now he's got a midfield where he can probably got six or seven combinations because he's got six or seven players that he can play in there. Um, and that's been the difference for them. I mean, they have gone about it very quietly because the, me the, the media have not really spoken about it either. But yeah. we've got Liverpool, Man City straight after the international break, and that's first against second. Yeah. So Liverpool are back, aren't they? Is that is that a genuine title sort of contender match then, that one? That's a big game. 
post international break. Both managers will be doing whatever they're doing this week, and they'll be just thinking, get through these two games, lads. No injuries. Yeah. Give us a chance for the game when we get back. But look, Liverpool are up there for sure. And I think um, I agree 100%. The midfield's phenomenal. On the counter-attack, they've got pace, quality and whatever. But for me, looking at them, I still go back to Alisson, the goalie. He's the best one-on-one goalie in the league. He makes a save. And Bema. Yeah. Most goalies are going to probably get beat there. At nil-nil. At nil-nil. And he just, time and time again, reads the situation, closes the space... The one-on-ones he saves has been unbelievable for him, and that then gives them a platform. Do you know, to do you know what I noticed a bit actually? Do you know um, some Bemo's running at goal? He's got all the time in the world, and I'm thinking, right, what? When, when is Allison going to go? When's he going to try and move up and, and close that space? And do you know what I think he does it? And when he does it, he waits till the player puts his head down and then boom. and looks at the ball a little bit, and then he will just try and get three or four yards. He will get three or four yards. So by the time the player pulls his head up again, the goalie's there, and he's like. What the heck are you doing there? Like you, you weren't there a minute ago. Like how have you got that far out? So I think that just goes through all the strikers. His physiology changes, and then he just thinks, "Oh, oh I'm just going to have to kick it." And that's when Allison, he's making these saves. Like he is the world's best, isn't world's he? Best. I've never seen anything like it. No, seriously, he just saves them all. I, I think if you're a forward and you're going through, I think the only finish you've got because he gets on you that quick yeah. is the quick toe poke between his legs. Yeah, something like that. Something yeah. like that yeah, something because. Like that. He's getting all the other. He doesn't go down, so he oh, can think it. He can get and his hands big. Up he moves. Still. Yeah, he's 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 the best. At That's that. what I should have done with you. Yes, when you I toe poked it, but you I went to your right. Yeah, but you haven't got that ability to be able to do that. That's I've the only difference. Toe poke. Been doing it since about four. Yeah, um, you've got to p roll it through his legs. No, no. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I didn't watch the game, but a lot of people were saying on social media that Van Dyke looks like he's getting back to the top form. I don't know whether he is or not, but apparently he had a good game. Um, did you? I don't know if you ever seen that clip. I, I, we did a podcast, the podcast of um, of the top ten Premier League defenders of all time, and I said that I think uh, Virgil Van Dijk, in his pomp, in his two years, you remember this about like two or three years ago before, before the injured? before the cruise. Yeah, I said that I think he might have been the best ever defender ever to have lived at that moment in time. Only at that moment in time. I'm not saying throughout his whole career or the longevity of everything, but I'm saying for an 18... So that period, two years is the yeah. best two years anyone's ever had? Anyone's ever had. That's all I said, right? Everybody went crazy and jumped on it. All the Liverpool fans backed me, obviously, and said, yeah, you know, it's ball. But everybody else just went absolutely crazy. I just think it. it's hard. It's hard because... I, I think it's a fair point, but it's hard. I don't like Terry, but I think John Terry was fantastic. Yeah, oh, totally years. Vidic was fantastic for a couple of years. I think I think Ferdinand gets a little bit overrated, really. He was really good, but I always preferred Vidic. That's why I'm not mentioning Oh, The only reason why I say that is because I think the pace of the Premier League now is faster than it's ever been. Yeah, Every single player is so rapid, so technical, Well, Terry so and Vidic aren't, weren't particularly quick, so no, I can they sort of see where you're getting. But this is that, so that's Watto's the only way I'm quiet, I'm uh, No, I, I'm, I'm listening. I, I, look, I was fortunate enough to work with him for a, a period of time at Southampton. He's got the lot, Virgil van Dijk. Yeah. And, and look, you've had bad injuries. I had bad injury, never come back from it. But it takes time then to get back into it. But he has got everything. He's got. He's, he's six foot four. He's quick. He's physical. as well. He reads the game. He can play left and right foot. That's the difference in the modern game. He's a footballer as well. Yeah. I think. Well, I, I, I think it's a good point because he's probably the evolution of 
the Rio Ferdinand, the Vidic, the Terry, a bit of everything. the Cannavaro. Yeah. It's a bit like what Saliba could be at Arsenal. Yeah. It's the modern centre-back, and he's the first modern centre-back, isn't he? OK, West Ham versus Nottingham Forest. Um, this was a big old win for West Ham because um, they were losing, they were losing, and then eventually they ended up winning. Uh, David Moyes would have been under massive pressure if they would have gone and lost this game. Um, James Ward-Prowse with another two assists. You've worked with the guy, you love him. I've got him in my fantasy Premier League team, but you work with the guy you say is an absolute legend. What a player. Why is he not getting in the England team, mate? I've got no answer for that. I think um, if we're picking midfield players for England at the minute, we've spoke about it. Henderson playing in Saudi Arabia. If Gareth needs to keep one of them in there to keep morale or whatever, Henderson's probably a man because he's been there, done it, and he's got the experience and he's played for England a long time. Phillips is not playing for Man City, but you can't put Alexander-Arnold into the England squad as a midfield player above a Ward-Prowse, who's a proper midfield player. And I know England have got Trippier to take dead balls and whatever, but we're speaking going into a tournament. Why can't Ward-Prowse, who's a great lad, wouldn't cause any problems to anybody and would just run through a brick wall for his country, his club. Yeah. He does everything right, be a good player to have in the squad. And if we get to another situation where it's penalty shootout, he's your man to have on the field, isn't he? And give him a ball for a penalty. Oh. I think it's disgusting. I think it's absolutely disgusting. Like, Man United can't score corners and set pieces. And West Ham have got this guy who does it a couple of times a game. As you say, he's got a great attitude. You've got a guy who is past it, who has gone to Saudi Arabia to play in front of 400 people for 700 grand a week. You know, forget the morals about the laces and stuff so like why that. Where has he's, he gone? He's, he's, if Southgate wants Henderson there because he's good around the changing room, he's only playing in Saudi Arabia. I'm sure he can put a tracksuit on and be in the changing room anyway. I just I discussed it. Calvin Phillips has played 89 minutes out of 12 Premier League games. Yeah. And you, I, I just think, take. I don't want to come across as ranty or anything like that because I think sometimes that diminishes your point. But if I was in, on the FA, I'd be pulling him into a room and I'm saying, Gareth, look, I know you're leaving at the end of next year, allegedly, but... What message are we sending to kids? What message are we sending to football fans when you've got this guy who's gone from Southampton to West Ham and is arguably the signing of the season and we're picking Jordan Henderson and Calvin Phillips? We're not sending a good message here, are we? I I, I honestly don't know how, as a goalie, I'm going to defend a James Ward-Prowse, either free kick. I've let him so many free kicks by James Ward-Prowse. He scored like three or four goals past me, honestly. He's taking the mick out of me. But it's not just his set pieces from the free kick. It's the corners. It's what is the, it about? It's the balls into the... It, they're, they're impossible to defend. They are impossible the to defend or the whip in Because what? What, what, what West Ham will do is they will make sure that when they know that ball is about to come in, everybody will just come and attack. Everybody will just come and run. And, so it, they know exactly where the ball is going to go and he puts it there every single time. Yeah, he, he's relentless. He'll put it there relentlessly. It, it's incredible. So as a goalie, you can't really come for it because it's, it's whipped and it's struck. And then, as a defender, you know that if you don't get the first knock on, and even if you can get a knock on it, you're only going to be flicking it really, and then that causes trouble at the back post. So it's honestly, they are just the biggest nightmare ever to deal with. And West West Ham have always had the physicality, haven't they? And, and Forest, like the tech, the tech, the big guys, yeah. and Bowen just free run, free and that's run. again a little bit of the zonal system. You can't pick everybody up, and the ball's that good in that area. Yeah. They think they've covered all the boxes. Boom. And, and imagine what had happened if Maguire had gone to West Ham. Oh, wow. Because he's so yeah. good in the end. But he, would, he would have scored a lot of goals, honestly. I was, I was, this, this was the two o'clock. That was the master plan from Moyes, Maguire yeah. and Wad Prowse. Oh, imagine, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, this was the two o'clock uh, kickoff, wasn't it, on Sky? And I was watching it, and I'm just thinking, every single time, mm. every ball is exactly where he wants it to go. Every single time, that it's, is. But I believe, like Forrest played really well, and obviously two goals away from home. But I guarantee they'll have worked for a couple of days pre this game because yeah. that would have been the biggest threat. Without Rousey well, he's, he's delivering won that game, yeah. he's won him that game with two assists. Every single team that West Ham play against will just be working solidly on a Thursday and a Friday, guarantee on them set plays, just on set plays. On plays. Just against details. that ball into the details. box from James Ward-Prowse. It will be right then, lads. This is where we're going to set up. This is where we're going to stand. This is what that player does. He runs there, he runs there. The ball is guaranteed to come here. Please just... Well, he's it. factually the best dead ball player in England, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. And he's not in England's squad. Nope. And you know for the, from the goalie's perspective, when, when you're in there, the quality he puts on, because normally the manager, the coach, come on, we, we need some help here. And, it, and even uh, myself, like, we're doing the set plays against, right? I've quite worked, come on, we, we, we need you a bit today. Yeah. But when you come up against that quality and the ball's in the area where the zones can't quite get there, the man markers are having the most torrid time. You imagine trying to mark Suchek and oh. all these guys. But you want to, you feel as though when you're in goal, you, you know you've got to come and help. Yeah. But you're waiting for that moment because it's just, the, the, there's no height on oh. it. it. And you can't really. And any contact, it's past you anyway. So scary. It's, it's it, so so. Scary. That's the. I think that's the hardest position to play in goal on a, a corner setup or the narrow wide free kick. Yeah. It's honestly when the bodies come across you, the the timing that you've got to make the moment split seconds. It's it's really really difficult. It's rank is what it is. Uh, we've got the quiz in the second. Uh, Brighton Sheffield United final game of the Premier League weekend. Everybody had this one down as a Brighton an absolute. Apart from Luke. Apart from Luke, who gave me a draw in win lose a draw. Thank you very no, much, I Luke. Saw this. Um, Luke saw it coming. Luke saw it coming. The sixth after, sense. Apparently after Bruce Willis. Apparently after Brighton have played in the in Europa in the week, then they always struggle at the weekend. Um, this was a fantastic result for Sheffield United, wasn't it? Look, the, the game's there. I uh, I watched it back. Um, Brighton dominated the whole thing. Yep. Could have been out of sight, 3-4. Should have been. Red card, and it's a red card. Yep. There's no denying it, and it's a get-out-of-jail card for Sheffield United. I think the score within a minute of the red card, and actually you would have thought for most teams that would have been your step to go and win the game, but Brighton was still good enough to withstand whatever... It's a get-out-of-jail point for Sheffield United and they'll be absolutely delighted because on another day, it would have been four or five before the red card. How about that for a stat, by the way? 30% of Sheffield United's goals... 30% of Sheffield United's goals this season have come from own goals. But this is the problem. You know, we keep we keep saying, like, the, the newly promoted teams are going to struggle and why are they going to struggle? They can't score. Yeah. None of them can score. Yeah. Luton, Burnley, Sheffield United, they can't score. And if you can't score in the Premier League... You're buggered. Yeah. This is why the strikers get paid their big bucks, yeah? This is why, exactly why. Um, so, yeah, fantastic result for Sheffield United. Brighton just stuttering. We're, you know, I think... I, 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 it hurts me a little bit because I like Brighton. I think he and changes I, his team too. I think he changes his team. He changes the goalies. I just feel if they had a proper out-and-out striker who could put the ball in the back of the net, they would be the, flying. The thing but. is, for me, what I don't understand is... And, yes, we're not behind the scenes, so the fitness guys will be saying, oh, he's done this, he's been on his feet, he's had this many minutes, he's had that many minutes, he needs to do this, he needs to do that. They're coming into a two-week international break. You're Brighton, you're playing a promoted team at home. You've not won since September. Right, this is a game we must win. Yeah. Thanks for all this information. I'm going with the 11 players that I really want to put out there. I've got fresh legs on. Let's win the game and then we'll put the troops yeah. on. Yes, and just stick with it and just make sure you win the game. 
Don't overcomplicate it. It's not a hard game, football, you know. It's, it's not a hard game. He's a great football. coach, and I liked what he said after the game, that he doesn't like 80% of the referees, because I think I think it's 99 for me. But yeah, <laughs> Which I, one do you like? Yeah, The one, the Wolves-Spurs <laughs> one. At the start of the game, yeah. I was doing a watch-on for it, actually, and I was asking the chat, I said, what's the name of this referee? I don't recognise him. They gave me the name, I forget what it is, and at the end of the game, I'll tell you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known his name. Like, but that's, that's what you want. Yeah. 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 yeah, so I'll give him a shout out. He's my star of the week, the referee in the Wolves Spurs game, because I didn't know his name before it. Tim Robinson. Exactly. Tim Robinson. Uzi. Tim Robinson. Right, quiz time. Let's go. Right, Jamie, 10 questions. Are they good this week? I hope so. I hope so. All right, let's um, go then. Well, if you get them right, they're going to be good. If you don't get them right, they're going to be bad, aren't yeah, they? Exactly, so. yeah. Right, scores on the doors before we get started is uh, Mark's on four, I'm on three, and Watto is on one. So hopefully I can uh, tie it up at four all. Or hopefully I can get uh, an answer right. <laughs> so harsh, mate. You've had so many bad weeks. Happy birthday, mate. Thank Birthdays, you. Birthdays, yeah. <laughs> Do I get a bonus point just for it being my birthday? Give me a chance. If it's no, <laughs> he thought about it. You thought about it, didn't you? <laughs> right, question one. Who is Sheffield United's all-time Billy Sharp. expensive signing? No, it's not Billy Sharp. This is a Brewster. Movie. Correct. Rhea oh. Brewster. Rhea Brewster. Well done, it is. A lot of money, yeah. 23.5 million. I don't like how he likely got that really quick. What did he say? Brewster. 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 Rhea and Brewster. <laughs> yeah. oh, got that. Yeah, did Gibbs White play for them? No. On loan. Yeah, 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 see me and Luke. Was it, did he? He's on loan. It was at Wolves, wasn't he, first? Yeah. yeah. That was it. Question two. What is Stoke City's nickname? Potters. Potters. What a... What a star. What a two you field. played for them, didn't you? Isn't it the Potters? No. Oh, it's my God. Potters. You're it's clinging on to... What, what are you saying, mate? You said just, as well. Yeah, you said exactly the same thing. So I'll come in and say... Uh, okay, I didn't answer. No, never, I'll, ever. I'll go the Potters, then. No, no. no. <laughs> what, OT? Uh, absolutely, Jay. Well done, mate. I agree. Do you know why they're called the Potters? Because of the pottery, pottery industry. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> just for fans... For fans <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll cut that bit. No. No. Oh, mate, phenomenal. You guys might know. It might not be. Oh, yeah, old Ethel was at home going, thanks, thanks, Jamie. <laughs> you know what? He's right, you know, Dave. <laughs> brilliant, Jay, honestly. Brilliant, brilliant, man. brilliant, well done, mate. Jay, brilliant. Well brilliant. Question three. Who is the only club Alan Shearer has managed? Villa Newcastle. Castle. Did you say, did you say Villa? What? No, it's not. Newcastle. Newcastle, Newcastle. Yeah, so it would have been Ben. ben. What? Oh! It was definitely Ben. It was, yeah. <laughs> No oh chance. Oh my god! <laughs> it wasn't. I promise you. I, I, I'm, I'm I not did. even banter. I, I, I genuinely thought I was first on that. You should get yeah, VAR. VAR. It, it was me. I'm not even. I, I'm not even cheating. Let him have it. I'm 90, not. I'm not bothered. I'm not. I was. It was closer. I heard it, what it, it first. Well, that's of course. I, I just went off cuff on one, didn't I? Who did you say? Villa. Two one one. Two one nil. Two one nil. Are we giving you that? Yes. Okay, mate. So he ain't gonna let you win it, fine. No, I know that. I know that, mate. It's what it is, isn't it? He was Newcastle manager in 2008 and he was interim manager for the last eight games and he got five points out of the possible 24. Ooh. And Stick. Newcastle got relegated as well. Against Villa. That's what I was thinking, I think. Stick to punditry. Yeah. That as well. <laughs> Question four. Which club did Chelsea sign Didier Drogba from? Leon. No. Auxerre. No. Marseille? Correct. Oh. Marseille in 2004. Good. Yeah. Two, two. Oh, very good signing. Nil. Very oh, what a signing. signing. I'm at it today. 
Question five. Who was the manager after Sir Alex Ferguson left Manchester David Moyes. United? David Moyes is the correct answer. <gasps> you are miles off it today. <laughs> Slow day for me. Don't know what's wrong. International break. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the beach. Yeah. Still loads of time to get back into it, Mark. Well, the rent is five questions. <laughs> get to five right. <laughs> right, I'm starting now. Question six. Career path question. Oh, no, it's not career path. No, it's oh, thank path. God for that. <laughs> There are there, there have only been two Danish managers to manage in the Premier League. Can you name one? Martin Yol. No. Is he not Danish? No. Oh, he's Dutch. Oh, I know it. I know it. Thomas Frank. Yes. Thomas yes. Frank. Well done. What's the other one? Do you know the other one? Um, Loudrop. Eric. Yeah. Loudrop. Watto three. Ben three. Smart. Well done, mate. It's good. That I thought Frank was German. It's the badge, mate. It's the badge. I thought it was German until this weekend. And it said Danish manager. And I was like, I thought he was German. Ah. And I still got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> question seven. Career path question. Oh, you're good at like this. Ben likes these. I have played for Chelsea, Vitesse Lone, Liverpool, Bournemouth. Slanky. Slanky is the <laughs> Yes. Three, four, nil. I'm just, I'm just the. Is this gonna be your first donut? If, if I know, yeah. I'll let you get all three of these. I'm going right down now. the doctor. I'll let you get all three of these right I've if you got want. Early. Shut up. Say something. I think. Shut up. This is not good. Question eight: Which Dutch striker finished at the finished the top? Fumbled that question, haven't I? Uh. <laughs> Which Dutch striker finished joint top goal scorer in the Premier League? Van Persie. season. No. Durkamp. No. What? Jimmy Floyd Asselbank. Asselbank. Oh God. Yeah. He had 18 goals and this and in that season that of the lowest goal scored for the Golden Boot winner. 18, yeah, that's that's a really Ireland's got that many already on him. Yeah. yeah. No, 13. <laughs> Harry Kane has Kane's it, 17, yeah. So no one got the answer. Oh. Question nine. Cristiano Ronaldo returned to Old Trafford in 2021. And scored two goals. Tottenham. Newcastle. What club? Newcastle. Newcastle. Bastard. Bastard, Biggin. It was he's Newcastle. Off. He's off. Yeah. Freddie Woodman in goal. Freddie Woodman in goal. Freddie Woodman in goal. You're donut. right. No donut for Mark. We don't do donuts. So I've got to get this for a tiebreak, haven't I? One. Bastard. You need to get this, Watto. Take your time, remember. All right, mate. I that, hope you get that. this. I'll do. On your birthday. Well, let him get it, then. He always rushes in when he needs an answer. I'll stay quiet. You won't. I know what you're like. You won't be able you, to he's going to dive in and I'm just going to have a moment of time here. Go on, anyway, Joe. Time. I'm going to do Who is the only Kenyan to ever play in the Premier League? Wanyama. Correct. Boom! Correct, Watto. That's a Southampton question. No, it's not. It's a Kenyan question, you muppet. That's cheating. That's a Southampton question. No, why is he cheating? Tie break. Yeah, I'm sure he played for Tottenham, didn't he? Yeah, you should know him. Yeah, he was his coach at Southampton. That doesn't mean Eight. anything. Scored a great goal. You played for Man United, so you got David Moyes. You actually played for Stoke and you didn't get the Potters, so don't didn't worry about it. Wasn't Van Yama the guy who put the thing about the spaghetti? Yeah, yeah. the tweet. The tweet about spaghetti, yeah. I had spaghetti for dinner. It was nice or something. <laughs> <coughs> tie break. We did a podcast on that, didn't we? Tweets. Yes, we did, yeah. Uh, so it's tie break, just me and Watto, yeah? Yes. Four each. So Mark, you Good luck, mate. Good luck to you, mate, yeah. Question 11, tiebreaker question. 
Wayne Rooney was sent off in England 2006 World Cup quarterfinals versus Portugal. Yes! 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 Come on! He's done here. Only done it on my birthday, Benji! Come on! I thought you were going to get that. I don't know how I've done it. I've had 50 pints on Saturday. <laughs> I'm really happy for you, mate. I can see it in your eyes, mate. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> oh, what a... 432. 4-3-2. 4-3-2. Boom. Good questions, Jay. Yeah, they were good questions this week, Jay. I love them. See, everybody's a winner at the end of the day. Anyway, everybody's really... I'm buzzing from really. I am, honestly. <laughs> um, that's a football fill-in. Thank you. We'll see you next week.